Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Invite those who are able to please stand for the first lesson. It comes from the Exodus in chapter 14, picking up in verse 10. We will take a break and then pick up again in verse 21. Listen now to the Word of God. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to keep still. And then the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. But you lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it that the Israelites may go into the sea on dry ground. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. And the Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. I invite you to stand as we hear these words from the Gospel of Luke in the 13th chapter, a short story, a short parable that Jesus shares. Then Jesus told this parable, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit, and he found none. So he said to the gardener, see here. For three years I have come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and I still find none. Cut it down. Why should it be wasting the soil? The gardener replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. One summer, a good many years ago, Vicki and our boys were off on a trip somewhere, and I was left to contemplate what to do with some free time. And of course, as 
happens in summer in North Carolina, there's a lot of things that grow in the yard. And so I found myself one day coming home and I realized as I looked, pulling into the, into the uh, parking apron where we parked, there was a gardenia bush. And for some reason it looked larger than it had in some time. It probably was six feet tall. And I thought it was unruly, unkempt, it needs a little attention, it needs to be pruned. And Vicky was not there to guide me in that. So I went and got the shears and I began to lop off a branch here and there and kept going because it didn't look quite right. You have to make sure these things are symmetrical, don't you know? And I kept going, kept going, kept going, and finally, getting lost in the detail, I had a, a, a shrub that was about two feet tall. And as I did that last clip and the, the, the branch fell off, Vicki and the boys drove up. And her face, I don't remember what she said, but I remember what her face looked like. How could you have done this? this, this you've killed it. And to be honest, in the moment, I, as I looked down at it, I thought, well, maybe I did. I don't know. So we were left with the shrub clipped off. The gardening instructions that I was operating on were more of a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of thing than actually reading it out of a book or having been, tu been tutored in it through the years. But it made it felt like it was the right thing to do at that time. But the gardening instructions that Jesus talks about in this parable are much more pronounced. And the gardener is much more grounded in what he is to do and how he is to respond to the situation with this tree that is there, that has been there for three years but not producing any fruit. The owner says, get rid of it. But the gardener says, no, wait. It can produce more fruit, I think. Let's try it. Give me a little bit of time. Let me first dig out around it. Let me unearth the, the, the roots. They may be root-bound. They may be all tied up in knots, and they cannot receive the nutrients from the ground. They can't receive the water they need or the air that is necessary for it to breathe. Let me try this. And then after I break up the roots and, un and loosen them up, then I will put fertilizer on it. Did you notice the word in the Scripture reading for fertilizer? Manure? very plain. The King James Version uses, uses the word dung, which is even more plain. There are other words that I could go down that list, and I'm sure you come to your mind, but I won't do that. He didn't say that, did he? Yes, he did. Fertilizer, so that there can be nutrition that is gathered from that substance and put into the, put into the ground, and the tree can draw in from it. It can be nourished by it. 
all for the purpose of being restored to health, all for the purpose of so that it can produce fruit. That's what the gardener was to do. That was the charge that was to be had. There's a word here for us at First Presbyterian Church Columbus. Here, gathered in this room, in all of the ministries and activities, for those of you who are watching on television and who will see this on the web or in other venues, there's a word for us here today, all of us. We need to pay attention to the gardening instructions that God shared with us through Jesus Christ. We need to allow our soil to be stirred up, our roots to be unbound. We need to receive God's fertilizer in whatever form that may come. This is both a challenge and an opportunity. If you've ever applied fertilizer, you know that there's a long list of things that you're supposed to do and not do with it. You have to mix it in proper proportions. You have to dispense it in proper distribution. You have to make sure that you don't get the fertilizer on your hands or on your, uh, in your eyes because it can burn. Too much fertilizer can kill a plant. Too little won't do any good. And if you, in the midst of it, get it all over yourself, you're going to end up hurting yourself as well. So there is a challenge with that. And one way to respond to that challenge might be to say, I'm not going to do anything. What's the risk-reward here? Let's just let it be and let the tree live out its life. But if you do that, if we do that, then we are simply predicting exactly what will happen. We know the result if we don't attend to the tree that, has, that needs the fertilizer, that needs to be worked on. It will not produce any fruit, and ultimately, it will be removed. The other challenge and opportunity is that we do apply the fertilizer. We do dig up the root ball. We do something, and we allow ourselves to work together in coordination and energy with imagination, with hope. We work together to produce fruit, or in the hope of producing fruit, for we cannot be sure exactly what the results will be downstream. But if we pay attention and if we do the things that we know can be done, then we can produce something that is good. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, by your fruits you will know them. But what are the fruits we're looking for? What are the things that we want to produce? How do we want to look with that? The Apostle Paul in the letter to the Galatians described the fruits of the Spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A nice laundry list of nine items. But I've always thought that that list was not always exact. Laughter's not there. Joy, uh, joy is, is there. But how do we amplify that? I think the Spirit can open us 
to that. These lists of the fruits of the Spirit are listed over against the works of the flesh. And the works of the flesh are quite stark. They are fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, murder, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, Paul writes. I like that phrase, and things like these. This isn't all of them, folks. These things which you will know when you see them. One of the hallmarks of our Presbyterian tradition that comes to us from the long tradition of the church, even the ancient tradition of Augustine, but certainly from our reformer roots in, uh, in Switzerland and in Scotland, one of the things about the Presbyterian tradition is that we take sin seriously. And sometimes when we do that, we allow our tradition to be caricatured. Nathaniel Hawthorne in The Scarlet Letter wrote about the Reverend Arthur Dimsdale who condemned one young woman, Hester Prine, who had a child out of wedlock. And Hester's punishment levied by the court or the council was that she had to wear the scarlet A as an adulterer. But what you do not know until the end of the story is that, spoiler alert, <laughs> is that Arthur Dimsdale was in fact the father of the child. And when he dies and his body is prepared for burial, the scarlet A is emblazoned into his flesh. And we take that and we, we say, wow, what a hypocrite he was. And he was. And Hawthorne was making a point about religiosity and false piety. And it is easy to remember that, particularly this week, when the news comes out of another computer hack, and this computer hack was of the adult entertainment relational website, Ashley Madison, which arranges illicit affairs. And in the headlines I've been reading among preacher types is there are any number of preachers who are supposed to be outed by that, by that hack. And a lot of confession going on in churches today, or so the headline read. We can look at that and think, how awful, how hypocritical, and all of that is wrong. Arthur Dimsdale was wrong to transgress on relationships and to abuse communication media for gratuitous relationships is wrong. And yet, there is so much more because it's not just about that sort of stuff. The thing about sin is it's not just those hot, flashy things that grab people's attention, that grab the headlines. If you listen to that and you go and you read in Galatians 5, Paul's list, it says down in there, enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. 
those are things that happen and may not grab attention. The way that you may feel when you're sitting in a business meeting and somebody says something that you know is simply either not true or just crazy and you want to walk away from it or blow up at them. Or the way that a neighbor may interact with you over a property line dispute. Or any number of interactions that happen in our lives where we're not going to get the big headlines of gratuitousness or hypocrisy, but we're going to feel inside the sin, the need for transgressing relationships. Because church folk, we all need to have our roots dug out from time to time. We all need to have fertilizer applied to us we all sometimes let our attitudes get in the way of our relationships. Attitudes about who we are and how we don't need to attend to our relationships. We're fine very much the way we are. Thank you very much. And at least one presidential candidate has said that. Others may have thought it. In fact, all of us at one time or another may have thought it, but the truth is we all need to attend to the roots of ourselves. We need to allow our bound-up root ball to receive air, to have its to, to be broken up and to receive the air and the nutrients and the water that are necessary for that. And when we don't, when we don't, things get dangerous for us, for the people we love, and for the community around us. Several years ago, there was a television show named Earl. You may have seen it. It was a quirky comedy. Earl was just a good old guy, good old boy, really. Not the brightest bulb in the, bu in the bunch. And he played the lottery. He had done a few things in life that were, shall we say, a little bit on the shady side and not too, not too nice. But he played the lottery, and one day, by golly, he won! And he took his lottery ticket, $100,000 ticket, instant game ticket. He was so happy about that. Not that I'm encouraging anybody to play the lottery, okay? But he took it, and he danced around, and he was so excited. He was running out into the street, and in the middle of the street, he gets hit by a car. Now, he's not, he doesn't die. He just gets hit by the car. But the lottery ticket goes up into the air and flies away, and it's to be lost forever. Earl took this as a sign. He took this as a sign that he needed to do something. He needed to get his life straight. And so, in a way that's kind of like um, part of the 12-step movement, he made a list of everybody that he had done wrong to. And the episodes of the show then are taking that list, and he goes and he finds them, and he, he, he wants to make right what had done, been done wrong. And then he scratches, at the end of the show, he scratches off that particular item. But the interesting thing is that along the way, he doesn't he finds that 
what he ends up doing is not what he thought he would do to make things right. He is surprised that how things work themselves out are not in the way that he thought they would be. Without naming the parable of the barren fig tree, Earl allowed himself to receive the work of the gardener, to have his roots dug up, to receive a little bit of manure, and to be restored, to produce fruit, to share in the community of his life. It doesn't always happen in 30-minute television segments, but it can happen. It can happen for you and for me. It can happen for us. It can happen in this place. It can happen in all of our relationships if we allow ourselves to acknowledge that we need that work as well. So over the course of the next several months, we will engage in this work. We will listen to the gardening instructions that Jesus shares in the parable of the fig tree. We will allow God to create some space in our roots. We will allow the gardener to place the necessary fertilizer so that we can receive the nutrition and the water that comes with that. We will seek to respond so that in our daily community and in our daily rounds and activities, and in this community here at the corner of of First Avenue and 11th Street, and in all of the places where we reach, we will allow ourselves to let God be at work in us so that God's Spirit can produce fruit that builds up one another, that shares peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May that be the legacy of our time and space in ministry together. Oh, and the gardenia bush. It grew, surprisingly. It grew back. And over the course of the years, by the time we moved from that house, it had returned to, it wasn't six feet tall, but it was a good four and a half feet tall. Thanks be to God. Amen.